High key studios. Yep. Well, okay. So we're watching the Oscars live <gasps> right now. That's um, right. We're at the Oscars. We're gonna have to oh, record <laughs> during the Oscars. So That's right. this episode is gonna be a little different. It's literally the only time you'll see Martin Scorsese literally on the screen. Like he was on the commercial just now. He was oh, on a really? Rolex commercial. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we have the commercials on mute, and but we are in between the scenes. Yeah, but Cameron's always distracted. It yes. <laughs> Look over here. Okay, you're right. Oh my god, it's back. Oh my god, it's back. <laughs> no, maybe it's just the in between. Yes, yeah, it's just it's the in between <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay, okay, nice, okay. We like, okay. So this episode's gonna be a little, a little different. I think we're just gonna talk about Roma we're covering yes, today. That's right. Uh, the Netflix movie by Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron. Yeah. Well, you have to tell me. Do you think it's the best picture? I don't know. I never know because I've seen like two out of the best pictures. So <laughs> it's true. I have no idea. Right. Remember, we did, we had said in yeah. another episode, Last we haven't episode. seen too many of the um, nominees yeah. this year. But we're adding at least one today. There you go. Because there you go. and this one's probably going to take a lot of awards. So it's nominated. It has the most nominations along with the favorite. I think That's it's right. 10. Uh-huh. 10 nominations. And Guadon is nominated for best director. Best screenplay and best cinematography. He's the cinematographer. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. I saw that in the credit. Didn't they tell you in class that that's yeah, crazy? Usual, you yeah. shouldn't do that. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. And I, that's why I went out of my way to find a director for my piece <laughs> because I'm in a class yeah. where I have to be the cinematographer. Uh, they call them the DP or the director of photography. And so... The, the relationship between the director and the DP is a really central one that's important. And most films are founded on that, the basis of that relationship, yeah. uh, because it's literally the visual approach that you're yeah. bringing to the story. It happened that his cinematographer was this other big Mexican filmmaker uh-huh. and he ended up being busy. <gasps> he had like kind of started, but then something happened. So he quite uh, on stepped in because he didn't trust Someone that wasn't Mexican with such a Mexican movie. But the Oscars are back, so we're going to be right back. I like that. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Oh, wait, we're back. There's there's updates. (laughs) That's right. And it's so fitting, right? Yeah, it was right. Where we just left off? We were just talking about that. And Roma just won for Best Cinematography, Alfonso Cuaron. Even though you're not supposed to be the director and cinematographer, or it's just too much. It's the general practice. It's too much right. to be both. It's not too much to be like director and writer. But you, you better know? believe there are kids in my class who are doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. But also he won. He, he did. And that's crazy. But won an Oscar for and he's likely going to win best director. Do you think? Well, he won the Golden Globe. Has that ever happened and before in the Oscars? What? The director and no, cinematographer well, won? No, girl. No one has even been nominated in both. Oh, I ever. didn't know that. He's the first. Whoa. What if he becomes? I'm pretty sure. Like the first ever to make that. And it's like a precedent that doesn't happen again for another hundred years. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, he won. I think he won at the BAFTAs for like best film Mm. and 
Best director, best everything. So BAFTAs are big. They're the British Oscars. It also won Critics' Choice. So I feel like best director is pretty likely based on all the other awards. <laughs> yeah, But I don't the know cinematography what was crazy. It, Let's talk about it, some of it. It was so beautiful. <laughs> yes. Oof. Well, it was different. It, it definitely felt different as in it wasn't American, you know? And the main note we took was that it was all wide shots. All wide shots. I don't recall a single close-up. Right. So there are no long lenses, as, as they would say. These were short lenses. Probably, I don't know, maybe 24 and 18 millimeters, maybe some 30. Is I, that important? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and they were all also static shots. I don't remember. So there are some dolly shots. A good amount. A good amount. But they're also like most of the move or a lot of the movement in the film are from tripod shots where he just pans. Yeah. Real slow pans left, right, left, right. He said in, in what I was reading that it had to do with. So this movie is semi autobiographical. On his own life? Uh, yeah. Auto. <laughs> Biographical. You just get that. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so the the main character, Cleo, is based on. His caretaker, uh, her name is Lebo. Mm. At is, the end, it said like for for Lebo, like uh, it was dedicated to her. But yeah, it's he grew up in that. The reason it's called Roma is that's the name of the neighborhood in Mexico City. It's just like a known neighborhood, Colonia it, Roma. And it's the neighborhood that the film is set in. Yes, okay. that's like where the the family lives. I see. I, he grew up, I think he was the second son. So it like, like, I think the family and what happens all happened in his life for most, most of it. Like he was one of the kids hmm. and he said the wide shots. Oh, it's actually back. I thought yeah. it was the preview. We got to okay. get back to it. We'll be right back. Performance by Lady Gaga coming soon. <laughs> it's going to be like the very last thing because it's what they've been promoting I just tweeted about this. Oh, oh, so you think it's going to be like the very last? Yeah, because that's all they've been promoting all fucking two weeks. I guess you're right. They Literally the whole Oscars commercial, right. every Oscars commercial was just shallow <laughs> and like pictures of Gaga. So they're going to save that to the very end when they've shown us all the, the commercials. Yeah, and all <laughs> the other best songs, best original yes. songs. But okay, so best foreign language film is coming back is coming up. It okay. seems. Um, so I'm assuming Roma has that one in the bag. I mean, if it's nominated for best picture, so it can be nominated for both. Yeah, it is. Interesting. I mean, it's a foreign language film. That's so interesting. But I guess it so. it has it in the bag, right? Like, because it's nominated for best picture, I feel like that automatically tells you. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> I mean, this is a real special film. Would would you agree? Yes. There's any spoilers, okay? Because we don't have time to be dividing things more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So we're just flat out mm-hmm. in, in it. Okay, cool. Yeah. You can find this movie on Netflix, so it's very accessible. Yes. It's one of the... F- it's breaking barriers in that regard that it's a Netflix movie. It's oh. a big deal because, like, cons... Con Film Festival, mm-hmm. they boycotted streaming service movies. Oh, really? Like in 2017, I think. So they took this movie to Venice Film Festival. That's like the biggest one they took to, and then they won the Golden Line. They won the Golden Line, which I think it's the biggest award at Venice. Wow. 
So that was a, that was some movement for them for the film. Is that what yeah. was the award at the very beginning that was shown? There was some award that they had. No, it's, I think it's an it. Academy Award nominee. Mm, that wasn't the award. It was like some other. Oh yes, that emblem. was it. That was oh, it. Okay, got it. Yeah, that was the Golden Lion. Is it back? I think so. Okay, we'll be right back. Queen okay, Latifah. We'll oh. oh. Oh, and okay, we're back. We're back. Oh, oh shit, I don't have my headphones. <laughs> I know that's what happened to me last time. Look who's l- laughing now. Wow. No, I, it's was, okay. I wasn't even laughing. I know. <laughs> anyway, sorry this is all fragmented. But I, but I think it's kind of he cool, just won, actually. He just won Best Foreign Film. Best Foreign was that Film. Last time? No. Yeah, no, it, it just was now. this time. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I forget because then other things happen. Like right, the song exactly. And, yeah. Which segment is which? Yes. So. Yeah, so Roma just won Best Foreign Film, which obviously, like, if it's best nominated for Best Picture, to me, it's kind of like giving it away a little bit. Yeah. But whatever. So I was talking about The Golden Line. It lost production design. It did. It and did. sound, right? Sound yeah, mixing one of the and sound, sound editing. Yeah. I think it was in both. Well, you think it was? I it think was, it was. Yeah, it was. you're right. It won. I, well, that was a Bohemian Rhapsody. Rigor more. Rigor more. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. So... I was talking about the Golden Lion. That that, yes, that was their big award for the first big award. Got but it. also Del Toro. Not. I'm not saying it didn't deserve it. I'm just saying it is a little awkward that Del Toro is the president of Venice Film Festival jury, and he, they're like best friends. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Just in a conflict of interest sense, it's a little weird. Not saying it was Rick and Morris there, but it, it could look suspicious. I hear what you're saying, but. Del Toro is really obsessed with this movie. I mean, it's his friend, but also, like, they are both successful Mexican directors. Well, I really liked this film. (laughs) Why? It's really beautiful. So it's in black and white. How did that make you feel? Very upset. Because you don't (laughs) like black. You like color. Yes. I was just... That's why I hadn't watched it earlier. That's why I was avoiding it. I knew it was important. It was a big deal. It, it's a big deal, and I'll get into it more later. But I, w- I wanted to watch it. It's just black and white deters me so much. It's just so, to me, it's like, and especially after watching it, like, that it's in Mexico where, like, the colors, I feel like it would add to the nostalgia. So do you wish that this film was in color? Yes, I'm being selfish with that comment. But, yes, I definitely wish it was in color because I hate black and white. It just, to me, it's so... It washes out everything. And I understand he, it, it looks like it was a very, very early decision, mm. like from the minute he concepted. Conceived. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moment he conceived the idea of the film. Yes. Got it. So it wasn't like a decision later, but, and it adds, I think, to the nostalgia because it's set in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I think it helps to date it and it helps sort of with the tone being a little more drama i think i don't know those are all valid points i like it i just hate i hate black and white no matter what <laughs> i thought he just did it like, to be like a filmmaker right and I, I don't i don't know he's pretty artsy mm-hmm. uh even when he was talking i went back and revisited his he directed prisoner of azkaban harry potter and the prisoner that's of right azkaban. that's right and which we have an episode of yes if you want to go back and listen and i went back and that's a good one saw saw an interview i had Okay. Looked at for Prisoner of Azkaban. Was that around 2004? 2004. Okay. And he was talking about Harry Potter in the same artsy way. Ah. Well, we'll have to come right back to it. Yes. (laughs) 
Okay, we're back. Ooh, wow, this is just, it's so live, so quick, so fast. Yes, so Roma wasn't in any of the categories from right. the last break. We just had Best Supporting Actor. I think I got it right, but we'll, have, we'll see. The camera filled out like a bet ballot thing yeah, at work. At work. So. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah, excited. They're about to announce uh, Best Animated, which is very likely to go to Into, Into the, the Spider-Verse, Spider-verse. which we covered as well. Yes. And we haven't gotten to see again, but we want to. That's right. I definitely want to. It was so good. So we were talking about Quadon directing Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is crazy. As it <laughs> is. He, he was the first director to uh, pick up the series after After Columbus. Chris Columbus, yes. Yeah, it's crazy how artsy he would talk about Prisoner of Azkaban in this interview I was talking about. Oh, really? And he, I, I thought he had mentioned something about the concept for Roma, but he actually mentioned he had a concept for a movie about uh, 1968 uh, student massacre in Mexico. That, so, that's an important date in history. Yeah. I feel like he was interested in this time period in Mexico City, but maybe that concept turned into this at some point or I could, or maybe he did it and I'm not aware. I tried to look it up in his filmography and I didn't find I it. I mean, that so. story is so powerful. It would be really interesting to know what inspired it. I, well, I really his don't life, know. His Right. Autobiographical. Like that's when he grew up and that's his family and right. his But caretaker. the protagonist in this movie is a, about a woman's right. journey. I think it's because he's kind of paying homage to Laura Dern. What's she doing now? It is Laura what? Dern. Is she it's, back? Is it back? It's back quick. These commercials are quick. What's going on? Oh, Laura Dern. And we're back. Yeah, we're back. These commercials are real short. Yeah, they but they are. But Spider-Verse just won. We're yes. so excited. They cut him off, which was super rude, but it was well, they had a well lot of people deserved. Up on the stage. Well, it's a lot of people have made it. It's true. Yeah, what a great movie. But anyway, okay, we're talking about Roma mm-hmm. and Guadon. And he did Prisoner of Azkaban. He also did, which he nodded to in the film, and we even commented on it, when the family goes to see that space movie. Uh-huh, right. It's a, it's a space Wait. movie called Marooned. Guadon did Gravity. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, so is it, is it, it like is a nod? It is a nod. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he put little nods to... His filmography yeah. throughout it. Mm-hmm. Got it. And yeah, that, and with that Harry Potter reference, was um, did you find? Well, <laughs> I don't know if it's a Harry Potter reference, but it, it's I a bit. Remind of a, me, what part was that at? So it was when they go to the hacienda to like the Christmas, the New Year's party, mm-hmm. um, and Cleo is there with the other domestic worker, like her, and she's showing her like the rooms, and they're trying to set up the rooms for the kids, I think. And on the walls, there's like dog heads of oh, the dog t- heads. taxidermied of all the dogs that had lived on the ranch oh man it was freaky so weird it looked like the isle of dogs <laughs> yeah a lot <laughs> if they dogs. were like dead <laughs> well yeah but you know it looked yeah, like the, it was those types of heads that, yeah. yeah they looked very very that dog-esque <laughs> yeah so th- that made me think of in harry potter not prisoner of azkaban but later in the last one or last deathly hollows I don't know if it's just in the books, but apparently house elves that are in the family, mm-hmm. they, when they die, they put their head up like that in, in the household, uh-huh. the house elves of, cause you know, it's usually rich families in Harry Potter have like a family of house elves, like generations of uh-huh, house elves right. and 
they'll put them up on the wall the way these dogs were. So I, I thought it was just funny that that reminded me of the house. It's a stretch. I don't think it was I, a nod yeah, I agree. to the Harry Potter franchise, but I thought it was interesting. Funny coincidence. Because yeah. I'd never seen that before. Like, I know for sure Mexicans are obsessed with taxidermy. And like, which was something also I did not realize. Well, rich you, people you, are obsessed with like trophies, mm. you know, just to prove their manliness. Mm. I guess toxic, toxic masculinity. Mm. But I didn't. I'd never seen like dog heads. Like that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was unusual for sure. Yeah. I, it looked like a haunted house or like something <laughs> that was just. It looked like house really elves. Spooky. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> they were small heads. It wasn't like big heads. Well, because that's dogs. Like. like Normally, those are deer and they're big. That's a lot of generations of dogs to have gone well, through. And it was so impactful you, when that dog comes yeah. up to her hand. And there's, I think there's a cut there, too. Yeah. Rich people love or rich people that have branches or places like that uh, have a lot of dogs at a time, mm. though. So it's just like they're just roaming around, you know. Do you have any notes about the editing? No. No? I do have notes about that how they pulled off the ocean scene which is something you want to talk about that's true and that's still in our cinematography section yeah well that was a big part of it no close-ups um it it did make me feel like i didn't know the characters other than our protagonist but maybe it's because i've seen her so much uh outside like because she's the protagonist uh the actress i mean you've really seen the actress in other pieces no 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 i've seen her a lot like uh uh, because of this movie like the movie and such well like getting a lot of features because she is a big 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 deal uh, in breaking or for representation of indigenous people in mexico who are very 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 oppressed Mm -hmm. i mean as you can clearly see in this movie that's what it's showing yeah the class society well i I, i'm really looking forward (laughs) to getting back into that uh, when we come back after this break We've already seen this trailer. <laughs> I got excited because we're they're showing back. the Lion King. On yeah, they're showing the, the Lion King trailer, but we've seen it. And so, we're going to see it many times. That's right. Um, we left off where we... Well, I was talking about how I had seen Yalita, who is the, is the name of the protagonist of Roma, mm-hmm. a, a lot in... Um, like She's been a lot on covers of magazines, featured in a lot of interviews because of... like the indigenous population in mexico is so underrepresented Mm. and so oppressed like exactly like you saw in the movie like the thing is about this movie it's it's so real it's so common like it it felt so like my experience like a lot i i feel like i was one of those kids i just grew up like that and it's just common in mexico to grow up like that Hmm. This, if, I can imagine this movie if, really resonated with yeah, you. Yeah, if you're middle class. And like this family in the movie is middle class. Like they're not rich millionaires. Like here, you're used to seeing that kind of like having workers at your home. You you see that more for like millionaires, you know? Right. To me, that did not look like middle class. That is middle class. Yeah. Upper, upper-ish middle class. But like I grew up having people around taking care of me. Hmm. And having a cook, having a driver. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like I've said before, my family has been very, very poor. Where just mom <laughs> and pretty well off. Where we were upper middle class. And I don't know. This movie just felt and like the grandma being there. Like it all just felt very like my life. And I'm just like, how many other people, Mexican people's lives, is this like, a lot? <laughs> yeah. 
I wonder who else have you have, have any of your friends watched this movie yet? I haven't talked to them much about it. That's right. I mean, we did just watch it yesterday. Yes, <laughs> last night. So they, I think they've seen it. I haven't talked to them about it though because of I just watched it. Right. <laughs> um, did you have information about that shot that you wanted to share? Uh, the ocean shot. Yeah. Yeah, because you were being very curious about how they pulled I that was. off. I was. So this was like a shot towards the end. Yeah. That's a very important shot in my opinion. It's. I don't know if it's the climax per se, right. but it's sort of like the. Feels kind of. It's that second conflict sort yes. of right, and it's a very isolated one, but yeah. it means so much. It was it's, so stressful. It was. It but was anyway, significant. was it all one shot? No, but it was made to look like all one shot. Oh. So they were having a lot of trouble with it, really? obviously. Uh, they built a whole like pier kind of for the camera. Right. Dolly kind of right. situation. But the the wind, the, the winds, the waters were really rough and it kept like moving Oof. the pier. So they used... Stabilizer? Th- no, they used oh. VFX. Oh, they did? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. In what way? Like... I think to like transition between different shots, kind of uh, like, like yeah. somehow. <laughs> Interesting. I think so. Back- it's, it's it's kind of a composite of yeah. all of different shots, different from takes. That. Yeah. Dang. And also, uh, Yalitza, the protagonist, was very nervous about it because she also didn't know how to swim, like the the actress. Whoa. Oh, and this whole movie was shot chronologically. Really? Yeah. So she was nervous leading up to it, kind of. Because it was like her climax kind of oh as gosh. an actress. But I was actually shot chronologically. That's really cool. I think that's fairly rare. Yeah, it helped her. I saw it helped her a lot. Yeah, that's that's cool. Well, pick up on that here in just a minute, okay? Yes. Oh, we're back. And I, I did not expect Shallow to happen right then. It was it literally came out of nowhere. They just they yeah, literally I've never seen anything. They like were that. literally putting out the piano like, like it, it while while it was starting. Like you're supposed to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> but and then they come up. They came out from their seats, and yeah. the angle was like facing the audience. Right. It was all from of, the stage perspective. Yeah, like which brand or <laughs> Bradley Cooper had said about wanting the experience to be like from the the stage's perspective. In the Star Wars Born? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it felt very much like a nod to the shots in A Star Wars Born. Because mm-hmm. that's a lot of the shots, them on stage, mm-hmm. us looking out into the audience. It looked very similar. It could have been like out of the movie. Yeah. It was like how the movie should have ended. <laughs> you know? <laughs> There, no spoilers. going to splice that in. <laughs> you can listen to uh, our episode about a Star is Born. Yes. But I'm, oh, they did so good. Gaga killed it. She she got it down. That was an amazing performance. I I loved it. Yeah. I, and that was all I was watching the Oscars for this year because I wasn't that invested. <laughs> yeah. Just turn it off now. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah. We didn't even record we saw, oh, oh, we saw uh, the trailer moment for roma we did this segment as well right yeah so we saw the little now something i wanted to point out because they showed us the trailer segment is that they had what it sounded like a a a spanish or some sort of foreign language cover of um what's the song no the animals um house of the rising sun i don't know anyway uh (laughs) my point was that when i was thinking about it i don't think that this film had any music in it at all I don't think Roma had a score at all. Uh, yeah, dude. When 
Do you recall no, any music? I don't remember. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, think Roma had any music I feel like music, music is something I don't notice. Well, I think that's why it got nominated for the sound editing and uh, mixing because from what I remember, like... No music. Yeah, he didn't He didn't even read anything where he talked about wanting to keep no. the authentic aspects of life no. with the... It, this movie is definitely like the epitome of like authentic and realism and, yeah. and ma- aiming for that because some movies are abstract, some are trying to go for realism some are fantastical like harry potter but we hear so much of the natural environment in this movie the dogs barking well because mexico city is very similar to like new york city here in the u.s like it's this a city that never sleeps always bustling a a lot of noises dang i'm so sorry you didn't get much to say in that segment i know (laughs) we're back to the oscars (laughs) (laughs) and we'll be back Okay, we're back, and I'm really shook right now because Chelsea Peretti is married to Jordan Peele. Oh. What? Who's Chelsea Peretti? She plays Dina on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <gasps> what? She's married yeah, to Jordan Peele? Yeah, because, <laughs> see, the way she was sitting right next to him, I was like, that's the spouse's seat. Like, Jordan Peele's there. Like, why is she there? She's so random. Why, why is Gina there? She, they're married. And I remember... And you can probably trace this back even in our Get Out episode podcast. Uh, But we talked about or people always talked about how Jordan. It's funny that he made Get Out and his spouse is white. Mm. Like I'd always heard that. And it's like his wife is white. Ha ha. Like. But you never got it. And he did Get Out. But I didn't know who that white (laughs) spouse was. Like (laughs) I didn't know it was Chelsea Peretti. What the heck? I, I just kept seeing her sitting there, and I, I got to the bottom of it by Googling. There you go. Yeah, a little sorry, bit of Google that had nothing to do with Roma. This podcast is all disjointed. All it really the place. is. I mean, like, we just saw Spike Lee win yes. his Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, so he's never won before. We actually saw Black Klansman, but we ended up not being able to record. Yeah, it's true. This, when we were just commenting about how the, them not having a host is... It's good. Kind of good, right? Yeah. It, and I think it's, it's going a, real fast. It, yeah, and it's showing mm-hmm. how it's about the artists. It's, it's very diverse. Yes. It, it feels a little better. Yeah, I feel like but, they've been giving fair amount to the speeches and everything, too. Yeah. Okay, so we were talking about Roma. We were talking about it being shot chronologically, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the actress? Which, yeah, Yalita... Apparently, uh, what's her re- name again? Sorry, Yalitza. Yalitza. Yeah, Yalitza Paricio. Uh, she was appreciative of, appreciative of it because it was her first role. Oh. Um. Yeah, and she was actually set to be a teacher. Like she had graduated or gotten her, or she was waiting to take her test or something like that, or get test results for her teaching degree. To get a certif- certificate. Yeah, yeah, something like that, and. In that time period, she auditioned and oh. got, got the part. <laughs> it's one of those things where you kind of do them on a whim. I don't think yeah. expecting too much. And then next thing you know. Yeah, the authors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. Yeah. So I was just saying that it was shot chronologically, which is really rare in movies to shoot anything chronological. But I think it does help for everyone probably add to the realness because you have that continuity in yeah. your feelings that you can kind of. It's true. I'm I'm like up against the fence on if I should do that with my movie that I'm shooting. Oh, I see. In March, it it does a lot for the actors to be able to follow along that way. The whole crew and everybody. Yeah, is it back? I have a feeling yes. So <laughs> when we see that logo at the top left, I think is. Oh, okay. We know. Uh, okay, yes. we're back, and we are. we're halfway to an EGOT. 
<laughs> yeah. Finally. <laughs> Even though I thought for the longest time. So we that's were, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we Your got, girl got it. My girl got it. She got it. She got it. Ha. Huh. That goes to everyone that was ever mean and said she was useless when she was doing pop back in 2009-2010. Fuck you. There you go. I mean, <laughs> come on. She won an Oscar. Yes, and lots of other things. Academy Award winning. Now she's respected. Everyone just conveniently forgot how much they criticized her and said she had a penis. That's that was all anyone cared about. <laughs> uh, what did I don't I don't remember where we left off. I know it's hard. Roma. It's gonna win Best Director, but but you really think so? Yes. Uh, it won the BAFTA. I guess only since Bradley Cooper wasn't nominated. There's rigory with Bohemian Rhapsody though. Mm. Right. I've, yes big riggery here we don't we don't believe it right they're they're just a uh, all very diegetic quote-unquote sounds for the film not so much score yes okay i was talking about the wide shots before i don't think i finished yeah, I, please tell that me. it made me f- so like i think the wide shots and and he said the way he said it was good it was he wanted oh fuck where'd it go okay so all wide shots to avoid a subjective depiction mm. so like he wanted to feel like a, a real memory that's what wide shots do they tell us that in school that's yeah what they convey to me it made it so that i feel like i didn't even know what our characters look like except for our main main character because she's in the most shots so you're able to see her but i feel like everyone else it could have been anyone. Like if they were sitting next to me in a room, I I, I wouldn't know if that they were in that movie. You know. <laughs> I mean, the most close-up shots we get of them are in the bedroom. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. And I feel like you see Yalitza a lot, but everyone. And it makes else, sense. It's like meant to be the most intimate moment in some right. regards in the movie. Exactly. That's a good point. So it's interesting how using the cinematography to yeah. convey that. And I think it also helps to see how it makes it feel more relatable because you can't really see the def- their defined face features, you know, it just it could be your family. You yeah. know, I definitely felt a lot like my family. So, that's interesting. The wide shot thing was an interesting choice. I haven't seen that. And it's very the, what, different what from movie, a lot of movies we see. What these movie were we watching recently that was all close-ups? Do you remember? It was holes? like Was it Holes? No. Yeah, I think it was. It might have been. Something recent we watched that you were like, literally every shot's a close-up. Right. I, I think feel it like was holes. holes. Yeah. <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, really weird. <laughs> that one really had no reason. Yeah. Poor holes. We knock at someone. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was a yeah. good movie. Just. I mean, the, sh- the close shots are indicative of the time period or just like of the modern style. And so yeah. to have something go back to just not only... Just, just utilizing wide shots consistently is very different. It's very beautiful. I think it serves the purpose really well, not only just to show the environment that they're in, but how these relationships are all impacting one another. It's a movie really based on the relationships of the yeah. characters. It feels very observant, fly on the wall, which is how he felt. Like revisiting a memory from like a third person perspective, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's really difficult to pull off some of the types of shots that they had because they had to make sure nobody was in the room or something like that, yeah. you know? The one of, of There was her, a 360 shot. The one of her turning off all the lights yes. at, towards the beginning, uh, that had that scene had 45 different camera positions. What do you mean? I don't know. 
You tell me. <laughs> it had 45 different camera positions? Yeah. Does that mean it was composited yeah. with 45 different shots? Yeah. Oh. I think so. I'm starting to get upset learning that they're that, not one that they're, Girl, they're hard of course well, that's why you shoot them but you didn't clock it so it worked oh my god right it's just upsetting me why because it's not genuine i don't think it meant 45 different takes i don't know what it meant though <laughs> yeah i don't know how because it's one continuous shot yeah maybe it meant like in total in the house they took 45 shots for the entire movie no, <laughs> it meant it said that scene. Oh, where she's turning off the lights. Yeah, I don't know because it was one shot. You yes, saw it, right? But maybe it was moving in forty-five positions. <laughs> I don't know, girl. It's very confusing. I, I, I thought you know. would know what that meant since you're in a cinematography class. I <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know maybe. Oh maybe one thing it meant was marks like markers where the actor was supposed to go along the way hmm. because that's a thing yeah and that's something that they definitely definitely had to do a lot of in the right rehearsing and blocking of it all was laying markers down where she's supposed to stop and be at various yeah, moments yeah 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 maybe that's what it meant mm-hmm. because she has to be able to keep up with the right. rhythm of the camera exactly so it's important yeah, that's that sounds that sounds more like what it meant. It didn't mean like forty five shots. Okay, yeah, I hope yeah. not because <laughs> no, it wouldn't make that sense. Would, that wouldn't make sense. Okay, you would have seen it. You just you frightened me with that last. Oh my comment. god, fine. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's what the second AC does. The second camera assistant. That's what I did on the first film set I was on. I was placing the markers down everywhere, and I was kind of uh, bad okay. at it because I would forget. <laughs> By the end of the day, Great. though, I was getting pretty good at it. Okay, <laughs> what else? I like the. So you want to go to a real party moment, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it felt like Titanic where they go to the lower, <laughs> lower, the lower class, decks, the third class. Yeah. Sellers. The basement. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. What are the governor's awards? Girl, I have no clue. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think it's the other Oscars because, you know, they have yeah, all yeah, the yeah. non-screens. I think it's that party. The technical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. We're talking about the party, the real party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she drinks alcohol and that's great because right. it's the 70s. You know that that's what my, did I ever say on air that that's what my high school yearbook senior yes. quote was? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. <laughs> you said that in our Titanic episode, oh, I, I'm go. pretty sure. So, right. And that's where she drinks and that causes Well, I don't know problems. if that causes Oh, it okay. Is it, well, because it's kind of un. Yeah. It's not necessarily clear. And I think yeah. that's the point. Okay. I think it's back. Okay. We'll have to come right back. Hold that thought. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> where where do we stand on everything? What do you mean? So this podcast has become <laughs> more of an Oscars recap. A little anything. bit, but also like we focused. Well, we'll just definitely I've said there. a lot of my notes. We were talking about the real party mm -hmm. and alcohol and that stuff. I mean, I connected it pretty directly to the end. I don't think it was clear. Mm. it's just like a thing in the 70s because honestly if you're pregnant like one drink it's possible it, it won't wasn't do one anything drink, though she got she got drunk yeah, because she was point. stumbling yeah i don't know but that's gets it's, into it's, the bloodstream right of a developing fetus it's very room. possible that that influenced things yeah. for sure but yeah that's really sad 
just on that note, I mean, I, it's kind of cutting to the end. Yeah. But no, that's, we've been, that, we talked about the ocean right, scene. That's true. We've hopped around. So it's the last part. The whole operating room where, which again, I think was another really long shot. Yep. Um, you that, know, that scene one, made me cry. Yes. You know, that one was one take. One, just one first take. take, one take. Wow. And the nurses and stuff were all real oh. nurses. And they were just like. It felt very real yeah. and like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. So it was real nurses that were just sort of playing out what would really happen. That scene made me cry and in a way yeah. that I did not expect it to. I mean, I was fairly scared at first because I've always been sort of, you know, I kind of clinch up when I get into an operating room like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, childbirth has always looked very 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 painful yeah that's why it's so scary that's why i don't want to do it like if it was you having the kid it's like yeah maybe i could consider (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah but it's like no no, gross (laughs) you know i i I you don't know i don't because you have the luxury of i'm I'm trying to put myself in the shoes as much as possible. <laughs> this film was the most uh, like real feeling depiction of uh, childbirth that I'd ever seen. Yeah. And well, I think know. it helped to have actual medical professionals mm-hmm. there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely brought me to tears. And yeah, it's a very, very sad a, story. Yeah. It was a very, in a moving way. I just didn't expect. And it's also one of those things, one of these types of films where we're really wondering where it's all leading up to, which I've been watching a lot of these kinds of movies. And yeah. it's kind of, I mean, we get the kind of, I think two major plot points, at least throughout the film. Um, but like a lot of it is slice of life. Yes. And it's portrait. Yes. I liked that term in the Netflix description Thank portrait mm-hmm. because that's what it feels like. Right. And I think that as long, it's one of those examples that as long as you end strong, like you have, you have that punch and it all pays yeah. off. That's what matters. Yeah. And, it did. and it's a beautiful ride along the way. Well, we'll come right back to you. Yes. So Del Toro is going to present Best Director, which makes sense. He won last year to mm-hmm. possibly his best friend. P- possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and Pierre. <laughs> We're going to see that. Which I is think really great. Coming up next. Yes. Man, yeah. I want more Mexican filmmakers. Well, I really like just how, the vision of this film. It's crazy how Mexican directors, I feel like, sweep at the Oscars and yeah. nothing else. Just male Mexican directors. It was Del Toro last year, and then Iñárritu was mm-hmm. br- like 2016, right? Birdman. Uh, when was Birdman? I really that's like 2014. What? Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Well, whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mexican directors are one random minority group that's mm. well represented at the Oscars, mainly just in the best director category. It's <laughs> a good point. And some other technical ones probably, but it's interesting. It is. I, it's hard. I to mean, Gravity won mm-hmm. stuff, right? When it was. I suppose so. I don't remember it too well. <laughs> I wonder if he was the DP for Gravity also. I guess not. No. He was the other guy. No, I think. His partner. I, yeah. Or I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying like his. It's odd for him to be DP. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Did you have any other notes by chance to share? Well, we already saw. A, we already saw Shallow. So it isn't like. It, right. I mean, I obviously didn't have any notes prepared for this movie. Well, yeah, but like, what but, did you think while watching it? Well, there was something I was going to say about the editing. I mean, it's very loose editing. There are just a series of long shots and it's it's not too like heavily edited. Um, 
at all, which is pretty nice. I think like not a lot of quick cuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of long, long shots and Mm -hmm. the wide shots. Uh, I think a big theme is women and Mm -hmm. women being alone, especially in Mexico. I mean, well, so the lady that she is uh, house sitting for, right. Or the, the cleaner for, yeah. The caretaker for, uh, in the beginning, her husband goes off to Quebec for a quote unquote work job work. We'll pick up from there. Yeah, we'll they're try about to, to present. There. Maybe to Roma. We'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> so we're back and he won. He did win. Yes. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I just based on all the other awards shows so far, he's won. So it just, it made sense. Mm-hmm. It would be kind of random if someone else won. I agree. Uh, he's had a, he's probably had the most stage time out of everybody in that audience. Yeah. Like the favorite yeah. had a lot of noms, but very little wins. Very true. This one had a lot more. Especially it had wins for like just the stuff Cuaron was involved in. You know, mm-hmm. he's like the only one they want to celebrate. Awkward. But <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But it was really his personal kind of, it was a very personal piece. So it makes sense. Well, I think that they've kind of it seems that they've all agreed to let him be the speaking representative on the stage. Well, for the he's film the one that like did all the important jobs, which yeah. is directing, writing and Shooting. cinematography. Yeah. yeah. Like all the, the biggest. Some it's, of the it's, biggest. It's his full vision. Right? right. You know, it's a good it's an important point. It really does drive this whole film. And I think that his style comes through through uh, the entire work. Uh, I can't see too much of it, I don't think. And really the. Prisoner of Azkaban, but a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Did you understand it Um, since you had three whole semesters of Spanish? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, I was noticing, I mean, it's cool now because I can at least with the subtitles understand what they're saying so quickly. And it's like when I re-listen to it after they've just said it and after having just read the subtitles with it, I can understand the Spanish then. But just hearing the Spanish by itself, I wouldn't be able to pick out those words individually to know what they are. But it's like if I hear them slower, then I can't. Yeah. But I understand it. It's just like English where we get used to the sound of the word and we can piece yeah. it together more quickly. And then they had mixtec, mm-hmm. a, a dialect that they would speak. That I, was an interesting component. I want to and hear more was, about that. That was interesting. Okay, we have to go. Julia Roberts is on the screen. Yeah, she is. <laughs> We're back. Hey, we're back. For the final time. For the final time. It's been very disjointed. Very disjointed. Sorry about that. It was an experiment. We'll see how it comes out on the other end. Yeah. (laughs) It's only as good as what you put into it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully this was something of a coherent ride. Um, We have more notes, perhaps, that you want to talk about. Oh, what do you think about being it being kind of a turning point for uh, Netflix and the streaming movie well, award thank you oh, i mean i'm glad you asked that i want yeah. i was wondering what your thoughts about that were too <laughs> right. first. just turn around the question no uh, i because i'm telling you khan rejected it because they boycotted netflix and hulu so they went to venice and they won and it's just the first streaming service well, movie. I, I think it's the first streaming service movie to be nominated for best picture that sounds right yeah what about the the movie that Chalamet was in that no I'm getting it confused with something else never mind I was thinking of um oh, I can't remember the name of it Casey Affleck the movie that he was in with uh, Amazon yeah. Prime 
Call that, Me By Your Name? No, that's a Chalamet movie. Yeah. Um, oh, Affleck. I know the one about beach or something. Yeah. Like I thought that was maybe nominated for best picture, but that was Amazon Prime. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm fairly certain. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I know what you're talking about. So I guess so. So, uh, well, hmm. I still have yet to see the proof in the pudding because the pudding is mostly flat. What do you mean? In terms of Netflix originals. No, no, not, not shows. That's the thing. It has been with movies. I think streaming is a lot more represented at the Emmys and any TV mm-hmm. sort of things because it's more similar to TV, I guess. So do you think that this is an opportunity for them to show they can also do award winning movies? I mean, yeah, clearly. I mean, in some I think, ways. Well, Cuaron was always a very big like champion for the streaming. OK. Uh services rights i guess that okay like to be considered for these things so it makes sense uh he was into it and he felt distributing this film through netflix would give it the best chance at viewership since it is a foreign language film it is more artistic so it, it's not really it's a theatrical movie but it's like getting people there is hard well there's a couple it, of interesting points with that i have to respond because it's more indie you know mm-hmm. and it's foreign for sure well, I used the same argument in a producing pitch that I did in my class last semester. Uh, I talked about how we, for our documentary, if we were ever going to make have it made, the best distribution plan would be to get a streaming service because we could get the most global wide distribution with that for uh, audiences that would not potentially otherwise get to see the film. Yeah, I think documentary also has, in general, mm-hmm. has a similar argument. And I think we see a lot of documentaries get nominated Mm -hmm. that are from streaming services at all these award shows. Because it it makes sense with documentary because it's very rare for documentaries to be in theaters at all. Right. So I feel like both docs and indie films sort of have... They can benefit from this mode of distribution. I can see why they would prefer streaming Mm -hmm. because it's just getting people to see them in theaters isn't... It's not... It's just not wide appealing like mainstream well that was kind of my other idea too is how i was trying to sit here on the couch while we were watching it thinking what this would experience would be like if we were in a movie theater and how this differed from it even though it still felt cinematic like i was watching it for the first time it still didn't have the full immersive experience a theater would have oh yeah Uh, so I, i just kind of was honing in a little bit on that there are screenings now after it started winning awards Mm -hmm. uh there's screenings for movie buffs but it's not until things start winning awards that people get interested i I think that's going to be an interesting frontier really to see in the next coming years is how these streaming services will start to branch out into exhibition housing because i i think it's only a matter of time i don't I don't I think see we're how starting that transition, but it's not quite it, it quite hasn't exploded yet. Oh, definitely not. I mean, I think they're still experimenting with it. Right. If any, if but, anything. but I think it will have a moment of explosion when the next it like will. movie pass type idea happens yeah. like that kind of it might not be disruptive. this year, but yeah. maybe next year in 2020. Uh, we'll see. I don't know when it's going to be, but mm-hmm. I think it, there will be like some company that disrupts, you mm-hmm. know. It'll be it'll be Amazon having the Mrs. theaters Maisel. in oh. Whole Foods. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be cool. <laughs> uh, well, there's also a lot of controversy, sadly. Well, controversy. There's been a lot of what is controversy messiness about just 
that it focuses on an indigenous woman, like racist controversy. You know what I mean? Like racist being mad about it. Oh, uh, it sounds no, conspiracy. No, it's not. It's not. Really? It's it's like it's. I've seen it on th- on Twitter. Like it's Mexicans are so racist. Hmm. Mexican men are so trash, and that we see that a lot in this movie. Honestly, no offense to good Mexican men out there, if mm-hmm. you exist. I can say this: I'm Mexican. The toxic masculinity and misogynist culture is horrible with Mexican men. Mexican people, actually. Mexican people in general. It's so much more... Aggressive? Well, it's so much more amplified than in in the U.S. It's like the same same misogynism, misogynistic tendencies, but it's Do you think that it's less challenged? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely more accepted. It's more like... How it was here maybe in the 80s or, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. uh, maybe now it's a little better, but it's just like like seeing the how the father left. That's literally the same thing that happened in my family. That was mind blowing to me. Like the exact same thing. It's so and, strange. And how, I... and how they treat him, calling him El Señor, like mm. the man. Like having this reverence for the man of the house and everything must be perfect for him. They're, they just hold such a high reverence for the man of the house and everything has to be perfect for him. And everyone lives to serve him. So like the mom will be bossing the workers around to make things perfect for the man. And she'll be bossing the kids around to make things perfect for the man. Like it's that culture of like the man is god of the house. Like it's it's shitty and then the man runs away <laughs> at some point or another a lot of mexican it will happen in, in both of the storylines in this exactly movie. and that's that just shows the toxic how the toxic masculinity is the exact same like no matter across across culture. the class which mm-hmm. is i mean it's it's showing class differences that's like the main mm. thing of the movie so yeah and just showing like the struggle of a lot of mexican women or women in general that of never like always wanting someone to show up for them and always being disappointed and and the responsibilities and pressures falling all on them mm-hmm. in different ways for each woman in the in the movie but in the same way at the same time mm. but that was a big theme like women being left alone with a lot of responsibility of children basically for both i i could not believe it when that scene of what's the actress uh not the the character's name uh the protagonist cleo Mm -hmm. when cleo visits fermin yeah in the like football yard or martial arts oh okay yeah that's right it's the boot camp training ground (laughs) for his martial arts which also it's crazy scene but when she is visiting him there and then that that, that's just such a beautiful scene because this power dynamic happens where you know she comes there with the power in the scene to address him to confront him and just acknowledgement that he is the father and he is incredibly aggressive in denial and uses his power in the group, the like kind of group power of it all to control her and constrict her to the truth and threaten. Yeah. He gets to mold the truth and it's an aggressive, right. With his, by threatening her life, which was, Oh, it was ridiculous. And, 
then we see this kind of come full circle even and, and it, well it just comes back again when the protest is happening and they raid this building chasing uh, a pro- another protester from i guess a different uh, maybe political party into the building and then shooting him and he ends up being part of the boy gang that was uh instigating i guess this raid uh or pro yeah riot is what it's called i was like what is it not a raid <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen masculinity portrayed like that in quite a while. Yeah, to me, uh, it just or, felt... Or in, ever in real life. It beginning. felt sadly familiar hmm. to my culture. It just felt like, I don't know, it's just like, I know so many people with that story of hmm. like shitty men. <laughs> I hope that changes now. In Mexico? Yeah. I mean, I would hope. I just I just think they're, I don't know. the. It doesn't help that that's kind of... It, sounds sort of like a mob mentality a little bit in it and well, like yeah. the boys kind of feed off of each other and in it's, that it's the same in the u.s when there's toxic masculinity somewhere but it's mm. in mexico it's just so much more common or mm. and even and just not acknowledged mm. as a problem it's just how it is you know that's the problem right like here at least you know maybe you can recognize it and avoid those people maybe, but like in Mexico, it's so much more prevalent, at least in my experience. Do you think that there are people that like are actively trying to escape that? Oh, I'm sure there's plenty. There's always rebellion in Mm. any sort of society. I believe. Right. It's just for me, I didn't, I also didn't become like a young adult in Mexico. Mm. Didn't go to college in Mexico. I would assume those are places where I think people are more aware and, and they learn maybe. Or probably like about that kind of thing if they want to. But I feel like it's it's less common than here or less. There's less awareness about the, those problems. And women just have to bear this sort of quietly because it's also Mexico, Mexican culture. It's a lot about appearances mm-hmm. like to your neighbors, to your friends. That's why and you see that a lot with the mom, the the mom of the kids, like she lies to them. She puts on this face and you know everything all the problems are super secretive that's That's very my life as well (laughs) it's like everything has to be super it's a subtle point i i didn't pick up on in watching it yeah i thought it was just to to craft making the making the children feel better in the moment no i mean i think it's just common to make the children feel better but also Mm -hmm. to keep it in in the as contained as Every, possible. Everything is well, because the cheese man. People, planned. people love the cheese man. You know, hmm. people love to talk. You got to be careful. There's a lot of cheese man, and I guess in, in American culture too. But right <laughs> in Mexican yeah. culture, yeah, it's sadly uh, there's a lot of beauty in my culture, but there's a lot of flaws as well. And that's not me rejecting it. It's just me being ashamed of the parts that are not pretty and. Socially oppressive progressive. and well, yeah and just oppressive to yeah ev- all kinds of people that so the racism in mexico is huge arguably bigger than in, in the u.s or similar but it has to do with the color of your skin it's the racism is more towards indigenous people like yalitza hmm. and people like real people real actresses are mad at Yalitza and at Guaron and every anyone celebrating her for choosing them to work together, just for picking her as a protagonist. Oh, and 
recognizing the movie. Like, they're trying to find all these excuses to, like, boycott the movie to get any awards. And and they did get a Mexican award show or something to boycott the movie. What? Yeah. I'm telling you, the racism is, like, so big. Like, all these white Mexican, like, white light-skinned actresses are super jealous that Yalita is on uh, the protagonist of this Oscar-worthy and BAFTAs and awarded film. And they're just trying to figure out any excuse. They're obviously the online hate is huge from Mexicans. That's the part of my culture I'm ashamed of. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I mean, a lot of young people I know, a lot of all my Hispanic friends are celebrating her and trying to, you know, combat all that hate Mm -hmm. by appreciating her. You know, it's, Something more detached. Or I don't know. It's just it's just a, a very shitty controversy to be having, you know? I agree. Oh, it's, oh, it's very kind of petty, very child, yeah, very, childish. Very. It's all jealousy and colorism. And it it's depicts it's depicted in the movie and then it's depicted in real life. It's like what the movie one aspect of what the movie was trying to address is inevitably happening as well yeah. as a response to the film itself yeah wow to it doing well they're just jealous that some the haves and ad- have nots of mexico huh kind of it's kind of like that maybe not they're, it, they're just jealous that a dark-skinned indigenous woman is on the cover of vogue mm, yeah that's sad they should be embracing well, yeah, that. it's like you've had a million. So this movie feels like a super, super other side of the spectrum, a spectrum, realistic version of a novella mm. story. It's very common in a novella, telenovela, like Mexican soap operas, to have a storyline of like servants and fam- rich people. Mm-hmm. And it's usually like the servant girl. Who happens to be some hot up and coming actress? Uh, <laughs> like falls works in, her way well, out. Or... N- no, like <gasps> the the young man of the house falls in love with her. Oh and my god! This big forbidden love story the whole time. Oh my gosh! And turns out like her mom. It's crazy. It's always like a big drama. It's like somehow all these like servants are all light skinned hot girls, you know, <laughs> and it's like. Oh, I'm in love and you can't tell me otherwise, you know. I think these are some weird fantasies by the writers. No, it's just like that's a very common novella theme. It's just an easy conflict. I guess. And it brings a lot of drama. Like it's always like the family is super opposed, you know, and it ends up being like the mom of the young man is Mm -hmm. always at fighting with the servant turned girlfriend or (laughs) fiance or wife, whatever. So anyway... This is like the real version of showing a family with workers, servants there, you know? Uh, yeah. I And I and I enjoyed it a whole lot. It didn't feel overproduced in any way. Right. Like it was very authentic. Like mm-hmm. novelas are so the other end of the spectrum, cheesy and unrealistic. Right. And going back to the black and white choice, I think that that helps uh, add to that. Well, cool. Do you have any other thoughts about the movie? Did we talk about the protest? I mean, only a little bit. Not really what mm-hmm. its significance was. Um, are you referring to the one in the movie or to kind of... Was the it inspired movie. by the 1968 one? No, I don't okay. think so. Well, maybe. I mean, it, 
I don't know. What do you know about it? I don't. Okay. Well, we just talked about how it, it it's a it's a setting placeholder for the conflict that happens when I can't remember exactly what the scene was where Cleo is what like what is she doing there? She's shopping for a crib. Oh, that's right. With the grandma. And that's an example of an interesting scene where it starts out so humbly. Yeah. And you think it's just going to be a typical scene in a store. And then <laughs> the camera just pans over to this riot that's breaking out yeah. in the streets. And all the people in the store just start gravitating towards the window. It was really interesting. It felt kind of like gravity was pulling everybody over there. Yeah. So that was interesting. But besides that, like, I don't remember even what was called. It was the political party thing that was happening. No, I don't know what it was, but Mm. it was it was just a a riot. But yeah, I felt like it was more for background to heighten the emotional tension that was happening between the main characters in the movie. Yeah. But then it also symbolizes the water breaking. Well, and it's trying to show like the backdrop of the time period mm-hmm. and whatever the politics. Well, the, the politics that were happening at the time. Yeah. Political instability. I guess. I don't I don't really know enough of my Mexican history to mm. speak on it too much. Yeah. But But then her water breaks there and that's what takes a, her to the to the hospital. When does the earthquake happen? Uh earlier. Okay. When she's yeah. at like a doctor visit. I thought that was really realistic. And then... Yeah, the Mexico City has a lot of earthquakes. Remember we saw a really cool shot that we both liked? It was at the end of that s- sequence. And uh, we see uh, like the earthquake stops. And then we see the perspective of Cleo. And it cuts to... you know, Because this earthquake was happening when she was looking at all of these t- like newborn babies in these... Uh, incubators and the nurses were all scrambling to save them and get them undercover and they missed one some of the babies they couldn't get to all of them and they showed some of the ceiling that had crumbled down on top of one of the incubators but um, the baby was protected in the incubator with the the rock crumbles just totally on top of it and it, it, that image just was really impactful yeah, to me that was a powerful shot mm-hmm. um, and we thought about what the symbolism possibly of that could have been regarding her choice what with what to do with her baby at that time because she was like four months in or so. Yeah. I think she was still kind of deciding. Well, and, and that's the thing. Abortion's not really an option in Mexican. Mm. I mean, it is, but it's not. You it's know, even it's, more it's like, like the blackest of black markets. Yeah. Well, not, not necessarily, but just like so taboo mm. to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, eh, political unrest is scary sometimes in Mexico. My mom, well, that wasn't political, but my mom did see someone get she shot. She was a protest? Oh. No, she, she saw someone get shot right in front of her. Jeez. Uh, but it was like a hitman. Oh. So it was like she was on a construction site for a project she was... Project managing? Uh, kind of. I don't know, whatever she was doing at the time. She was like a politician or something. Mm. She was there... Oh. Like inspecting or looking at the site and then just someone comes up behind a guy working there and just shoots him in the back and then turns away and leaves. Oh my god! Right in front of her. And she was pregnant with Jesus. my brother and she like was taken out of there really quick and she was like in shock. Like she was completely calm, oh. but she thinks like she, it was like instinct to shut down automatically to protect the baby kind of mm. and not like panic i don't know it's weird because hmm. like that kind of 
panic and 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 it probably in Roma is another theory I have for not theory but like potential thing that could have harmed the baby like just the panic mm-hmm. of being in life threatening danger I don't know but my mom sort of experienced that yeah it's crazy yeah it really is uh a gun is everything kind of slows down I think in life when yeah. there's suddenly a gun in front of you and you start to reassess, like, what does life mean to you? Yeah, it's so scary. <laughs> like, you know, whenever you see, like, a gun in real life, it just, everything takes on a different meaning all of a sudden in the room. Oh, I don't, I don't want to see any. I understand. <laughs> yeah, when I was rewatching Moonlight recently, there's this poignant shot where, uh, like, we haven't seen a gun for a lot of the movie, and then the camera pans down to a gun being in the seat, and it's like, the mood of the whole scene changes. Dang, yeah. You know? And he never fires it. It's just there to show, like, just in case. This movie was surprisingly a treat to watch. It was one of those movies that I think with almost any other camera style or director, I would have found myself self bored at points or at points just tuning out. But the camera work and the pacing of it all really kept me hooked to the story. And... Also, kind of maybe the lack of score mm-hmm. helped me to follow along. And, I, and I'm just a big fan of long shots. And clearly, this is a type of movie where every long shot is so, so especially articulated. I mean, I'm thinking of the movie scene right now where they're in the movie theater. And we learn that she thinks that she might be pregnant. Yeah. And then as soon as she shares the news, boy just runs away. Yeah. And how they hold on this for so long. They hold on the moment after he walks away. He says that he'll be right back. Asks her for, if she wants an ice cream. And she's like, no. Would, she, would he have brought back the ice cream? No. Obviously if not. she said yes. Yeah. That was a, such an impactful moment. And... It made me, it was one of those uncomfortable moments where in any other movie you would expect it to cut, but because it doesn't, it, the uncomfortableness adds to how we're feeling about her. And I was just like, wow, he's holding on this for so long and there's nothing to do, but other than to wait for him to come back. I was like, what is going to happen? That's going to keep the action of this movie going to like increase the stakes of it more. And then the movie ends. And that's like the worst when like the movie ends and your partner is like away and it's time for everybody to like go, but they're not back yet or for yes. some reason. And you have to watch everybody else go and awkward. Very. So that the way that whole scene played out, really beautiful, really beautiful. I think this movie is kind of a good case example for scene work, like thinking yeah. about how a scene has a clear well, beginning. Well, he builds a end. lot of tension in mm-hmm. each scene, I feel like. It's he really does. It's it, he's Even a if master it's not of it. A, a big stakes moment, or mm-hmm. you know, I just felt myself tense, and you know. Oh, for sure. I guess the last other just moments in that um, beach shot that I wanted to point out that I really liked the most was the two moments of how they this looking at how they utilize the sun, which I'm. I at first I thought it was a sunrise shot, but then after seeing the sun's position from the beginning of the shot to the end, I think it was actually a sunset. I think it lowered a little bit, but they must have really had to have really clear markers measured for where the camera should stop at each point based on also the level that the sun was moving at because it was so well timed in that regard. And there are these, it's like the sun is 
it the camera's pointed straight at the sun in the background and so pretty much anything in the foreground is still as a silhouette because it's so high key really but he uses a uh the silhouettes of either a human or the shed that they go to the far left of on that dolly um they use it to just perfectly block out the sunlight to create this halo around it and bring attention to whatever that actual action is happening in the foreground and it adds this kind of benevolence that's happening in the scene to whatever that subject is so it's just really beautiful use of utilizing natural light in this uh direct way that just was incredibly artistic I really so I really enjoyed watching that from a cinematography perspective because I I rarely think about having the camera pointed straight at the light, which um yeah it's kind of, it's kind of like a no no in a way yeah really something else. Do you have any other feelings to share? Mm, no, I don't think so. Oh, this was such a beautiful film to watch. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. Did you me like too. it? Yeah, I did. Even though I don't appreciate it in black and white. Sorry. Did you expect it to be as moving? Um, before coming well, in? I figured if it was hyped that much, right. it had to have something special. And I it did. I really was not expecting it to be what it was. I mean, I was just not looking forward to it as much. Mm. I was I was not looking forward to it as much because it is black and white. And that was kind of deterring me. But hmm. I was expecting it was still good. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was expecting a little more like quick pacing and mm. cuts. Maybe that was the Netflix style i was expecting more mm -hmm. of but this is an interesting example where it seems like they totally just threw the funding at the yeah. artist to create the well, work. well no i i think it just got picked up oh. after film festivals oh, yeah okay it had already and, been made and guaron was like up for it too okay. like I, it. I figure a lot of films get offers mm. and they end up not because they could the they could do, release yeah so they want the prestige. Yeah. Guadon just for this type of movie, Netflix really fit better. Got so. it. That's really, I think that's meaningful. And I think we have a lot to see where the kind of fallout from that is going to le lead to. Well, great. What should we grade it? A plus. I give it an A plus as well. It's very artsy. <laughs> very artsy. Like I said, I was not expecting to get treated the way I was yeah. with the story and the shots the way they were. The opening shot is just so incredible. I'd want to rewatch it just to see how long they hold on it. But it was just from the opening credits, which was similar to how the approach I took in a couple of the doc films I made <laughs> last semester. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love that style of doing titles. And um, so that's why when I saw that, I could already tell, I think, that there was something they're thinking a lot about what that frame means and what is possible in it, what it can do. And then, yeah, it just tilts up and action unfolds. And so, yeah, really, really clever and well done. And I, uh, I want to go look at his other films now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Itama Matambian is supposed to be very good. That was his big debut. Not, not his first ever sure. film, but his big, break. his big break. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down to see his first films too. <laughs> uh -huh. I love watching directors' first films. I think it's. it's I don't good. <laughs> because they're probably shitty. Not always, but you know, you get to see where the where was the diamond in the rough. Yeah. Of it all. <laughs> but I'm just like I'd rather just watch their, yeah. you know, their great achievement. <laughs> well, uh, this has been a blast, and well, how cool! What what a cool experiment we did. Yeah. Sorry if it was annoying as hell. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. Um, if you liked it or didn't like it, let us know. You can find us in the usual social media channels. Our handle is at High Key Book Club. 
We also accept submissions or inquiries for films to cover or TV shows. And so if you want to reach us at Club at gmail.com, that channel is always open and we'd love to hear from you. Yes. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> Don't tell them that. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, we will let you go. This has been a long one. And thanks so much, as always, for listening. We look forward to coming back next week with another edition of the High Key Book Club show. <laughs> And I guess you're probably going to call this Roma plus Oscars, something like that. Uh, no. Okay. We'll see. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You'll be hearing from us. <laughs>